Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for spending time with me this afternoon. I'm really looking forward to it. I've been thinking about it since the time I got up, thinking, hmm, it's going to be a good day. The content is good. My guests are awesome. You're awesome. Everything is going to be a great day. So thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for supporting Faith Radio, too. We're still kind of glowing about the amazing uh, fundraiser we had. And as glowing as it was, we're still just a little bit away from reaching our final goal. So Maybe uh, you didn't get a chance to participate in that, but if it's still in your uh, ability to do so, we'd love for you to uh, make a gift. That'd be great. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com and do that safely online. All right. I uh, want to bring on uh, Patrick, who got bumped because of Memorial Day. He, he got uh, his usual spot Mondays at 3 uh, because of the holiday, so I'm going to have him on uh, right after the break. So let's take 60 seconds and bring on my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese. Proper navigation is about getting where you want to go safely and hopefully without getting lost on the way. Well, it's the same when it comes to navigating the Bible. Hi, I'm Pastor Colin Smith with Unlocking the Bible and along with our friends at Faith Radio, I want to invite you to join us for a summer in the scriptures at openthebible.org slash faithradio. You know, the Bible is so much more than a historical book. It's how God speaks to us today. And openthebible.org slash faithradio will lead you through the whole Bible story. It's like a guided tour from Genesis to Revelation. You can take it on your own or you can do it with family or friends. So get started today at openthebible.org slash faithradio. Again, that website to learn more is openthebible.org slash faithradio. Do with a brain if you had one. Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome to the show. I know it sounds like it might be Monday, but it's not. It's already Wednesday, and Patrick Albanese is my guest he got bumped on Monday because of the holidays, so I thought it'd be awfully nice to hear him uh, this week, and he's with us right now. Patrick, welcome. I got bumped. You got bumped. That's okay. Not the first time. It was time. a holiday. <laughs> yeah, well, we had the, the kids were home from school. Hang on a second. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, You're you so know, confused. I, I mean, I, always, I love Mondays because of the radio show. Most people don't like Mondays. I love Mondays. Yeah. I love Mondays, but uh, for the majority of people don't like Mondays, but I'm realizing that uh, thanks to the uh, coronavirus, we have probably flattened the curve on the hatred of Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> that could be very, very true. Yeah, it's just like every other day now. We yeah. flattened the curve, so we've accomplished that, if so nothing else. I was sitting there the other day, I, maybe I was in my car, maybe I was asleep, I don't know. But uh, I was thinking, I've got this new idea for a random segment, and I and I thought the segment would be called PPE, and it would be Proverbs, Psalms, 
and Ecclesiastes. Those are three books I really like, and I love spending time in them, and I love talking about them. And I don't know if we talk about uh, these enough. And I think there's, A, so much wisdom, so much comfort, so much praise, and then so much reality in Ecclesiastes. I thought, I'll test drive it on Patrick. Well, I love it. I love to be test driven on. All right. I mean, you know, you know. As you know, seven and a half <laughs> yeah. billion people in the world. I don't think anyone needs another opinion, right? Says you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right. But when I uh, think of PPE, and you hear that expression all the time in the news because it means personal protective equipment, but and yes. the, the PPE you need is, uh, is in God's Word. So I was looking at uh, Proverbs, and three of my favorite Proverbs that always jump off the page, especially when it relates to being in front of a radio microphone, is Proverbs mm-hmm. 18.2, which says, A fool delights in airing his own opinions. Says the guy with an opinion show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. I'm kidding. It, it, yes. It's, uh, well, you know, it's funny how you when you get into Proverbs later in life, you say, oh, my gosh, Proverbs, i.e. grandma. Yeah. Yeah, she <laughs> snuck know? some of those in, didn't she? Yeah, and, and she'd reward them, you know, the you know birds of a feather flock together. She had a lot of those clever things. But, um, you know, like my grandma could say something like, uh, you know, when you talk, you repeat what you already know. When you listen, you learn. Yeah, I love that. And and uh, you're like, what what exactly does that mean? Yeah, I don't believe uh, that's in the Bible, but it's a great it's a great saying. Yeah, it yeah. is a great saying. Yeah. You realize that's actually biblical. Yeah, in, in its way. Yeah. All right, here's another one right out of Proverbs. Proverbs fifteen five. A fool hates correction. Oh. A fool hates correction. So how do we receive correction, and and do we do it uh, with an open heart, or are we usually defensive when it comes to correction of any kind? Yeah, you know that it's, it's interesting. Um, one of the guys that I've done your show with for twenty years now, um, when we first started working together, it, it was always difficult to work with somebody and maybe have a suggestion or a note, because the very often the other guy would take it like, "What are you saying? I'm doing it wrong. Are you saying <laughs> I'm doing a bad job?" And uh, it, which isn't what you're saying. You're, you you might be offering a a course correction or, or a way to do something a little bit better. And uh, I was not innocent. Uh, I mean, I, I was just as guilty as anybody else of almost overreacting at first. And so uh, I, I went to him one time and I said, you know, when you have a note or a correction for me or an idea, uh, you know, just come up to me, say, I got an idea for you. So yell at me first and then I'll give you the idea when your mind is clear. <laughs> and we wouldn't do a joke. Yeah. Yeah, when we were training actors for the show and there would be uh, post-show notes sessions and, the, you know, the writers and the director, you know, would participate, you know, I would usually have one piece of paper and I would turn it around and show it to them. And the only thing that said on it was all wrong. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I will, uh, I, I'll mention this, you know, I hope you don't, hope you don't take this the, the, the wrong way yeah. because I'm going to correct you. For me, and perhaps I was an advanced student, your note said mostly wrong. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I was more I'm gentle surprised. on you. I got to be honest. I was more gentle. Yeah, I, I think, I, well, you noticed that I was working a little bit harder than the average guy. And you said, I'll oh, just give him a mostly wrong. Right, right. But so, if uh, we're going to grow, if we have blind spots, uh, then I would think we would welcome correction to some degree, Right. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, yes, it's, but. I, did you say yes, you know, but? No, I'm saying yes and. Oh, yes and. Good. Okay. Because if you're not 
you know, for instance, if you uh, if if you look back five years ago and say, "Gosh, everything I believed, everything I thought, everything uh, everything I knew it all five years ago," not a single new bit of knowledge or realization or growth has happened in five years. That's not necessarily a good sign. No. So, what it probably means then is you have to be open to the idea that whatever opinion you might have about some things in life, it can still change, it can still evolve, and that maybe that's part of the you know the the beauty of getting older is that you have this opportunity to uh, you know gather more information and you know and grow mm-hmm. and that means being corrected. Yeah, and that dovetails into my next proverb that I love, which is. 1215 that basically says the fool thinks he's right all the time. I mean, we don't yeah. want to be foolish in life. We don't want to be fools and we don't want to be foolish. So if we look at what a fool can do or what a fool can be, a fool delights in airing his own opinions, a fool hates correction, and a fool thinks he's right all the time. Those are hard people to be around, Patrick. Don't you agree? I I agree. I also call that the Magna Carta proverb because the Magna Carta was signed in 1215. I like that. That's a random bit of information I have. I just imagined I had to memorize one uh, tidbit for a history test. Uh, Magna Carta 1215. Okay. Just after noon, we had some lunch. Let's sign something. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us seem to be here. Get out that quill pen. Get out that quill pen. What is it? Twelve fifteen. That went down. That was a quick lunch. Yeah, I had the tuna on falafel. What did you have? Yeah, but, uh, same. Yeah. I had the same. It is. We all had that. Yeah, it's yeah, and one it's, thing. it's you know it's it's tough to be wrong, of course. Uh, but I, I think that if you can take it not only with some humility, uh, but some humor, humor mm-hmm. times that well, there I go. You know, I I was wrong. <laughs> You yeah. know, it's we, 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 none of us want to be Fonzie, right? Right. Anyone can say it except the Fonz. <laughs> Anyone can say I was. He just he, he could, never could could never say he was wrong. Could never say mm-hmm. he was wrong. And uh, there's uh, I think there's something beautiful about being able to just you know right right off the bat. I remember I think I might have told the story. A place I had worked once. I um, had done some tidying up. Actually, uh, the place had never been so cleaned, and I, I had a slow day at work, so I cleaned up, and it actually upset the boss because she was upset that all the other employees were now going to think that they had to clean when they had free time. <laughs> <laughs> so she comes into work, and I'm thinking, this is going to be fantastic. And she says, oh, no, who who did this? Who did this? And she's obviously upset. I said, well, it was me. And she says, oh, uh, well, yeah, it's cool. And I said, well, that was a change of tune. She says, well, nobody ever fesses up. (laughs) I assumed I was just going to run around for about an hour going, I don't know who did it, but I'm going to find out who did it. And when I find out who did it, they're going to get it. And, you know, right off the bat, I just said, oh, yeah, that was me. I did that. Yeah. You know, was that wrong? You know, well, I, yes and no. Well, gosh, I've never had anybody admit to it. So. Right. uh, That's, that's. Can go. Yeah. All right, we're talking PPE, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and uh, Psalms. I didn't do it in the right order, but you know what I mean. And you almost Patrick, have to say Psalms, right? Yeah, no, no, I don't say that ever. But Patrick yep. Albanese is my guest, and as I do this bit randomly, I want you to participate with me by saying, this is my favorite proverb, this is something that I learned in Ecclesiastes, or I love this psalm more than ever. And, of course, you can text me what that is to 877 933 
We'll be right back. We're going to talk about Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 19. God gives wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them. Be right back. My guest usually on Mondays to start off the week. He got bumped because of Memorial Day, so he is in the time slot today. So, uh, okay, PPE, uh, Proverbs, PPE. Psalms, Ecclesiastes. We're going to talk about Ecclesiastes right now in chapter 519. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. And you and I both know people that have some resources, that have some wealth but they don't have the ability to enjoy it because uh, that is the other piece of uh, God's provision. He gives people wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them. And if you are living outside of Christ, not abiding with him, and you might have some success in business, there's no, uh, su- there's no um, guarantee that you're going to enjoy um, your success. No, I, I mean, I, it's, I was just, when you first uh, brought that topic up, I was thinking about a guy, you know, and he, he passed away a few years ago at the young age of 59. Uh, but uh, he was worth quite a few hundred million dollars. Uh, very successful in Hollywood. You were at his house, weren't you? We had two. Uh, so it, they were. he had a Malibu house, and then he bought the house next door. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the house next door housed was like a trophy warehouse. It had uh, 27 or plus Emmys and that he had won. And, We're talking um, about one of the Simpsons guys, right? Yeah, okay. yeah one of yeah. the original guys. And uh, But he was so angry. He, he just one of the angriest, uh, most unhappy guys. And I had heard that he did find some peace of mind as he was, he had cancer. So he, as he was dying, that he had something. I, I don't know the whole story because uh, a lot of people lost contact with him. He would, he would alienate people pretty easily. And you thought, my gosh, you have two homes in Malibu. Wow, two homes in Malibu. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, yeah. it, it was, it was spectacular. And he thought, I mean, I, I was reading an article recently that he spent. I think it was his dogs budget for the year was $150,000 to take care of the dog. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I could live on that. <laughs> you know, but I'll take care it, of Skippy for that. Take care of Skippy for that. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't enough. So you say, obviously, if if that kind of wealth can't fill the picture, can't create the happiness, then there's got to be something else that is bigger than that. You know, because you go, well, at this point, there's nothing that you are in need of uh, that you're aware of. Mm-hmm. You, you obviously need something. But, yeah. yeah. So anything outside of being abiding in Christ is not going to bring happiness. So you know that's yeah. the beauty of contentment. When you have uh, not much and yet you are content, that is a gift from God because your needs are being met at you know a beautiful level and you're able to enjoy what you have. That to me is a very happy picture. It, well, it not only is it a happy picture, but you say this this formula hasn't changed in thousands of years uh, because you know, it seems like each generation says, well, no, we're going to do this right. We're going to, you know, if because if, we have cooler stuff now. <laughs> we have much cooler things. I mean, in, a, in a, just a couple of minutes from now, there's a couple of people going to go up on a spaceship that is privately uh, funded. 
you know, some guy said, you know what? I'm going to become rich enough to launch my own rocket into space. That'll make me happy. <laughs> we'll see if he's happy. We'll see if he's happy. But, yeah. you know, they might say, you know, I think I got to do a rocket to Mars. I think I just... <laughs> Uh, and and we, we, we continually do this. We pursue more and more and more. And all along, God's sitting there saying, you know, if you really want to know the answer, I'm here. Yeah. Just, just let me know. Yeah. So I'm very patient. To give you one more review of this verse in Ecclesiastes, it's uh, 19 and 20. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Mm. Isn't that powerful? God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Is that your story today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, as you're listening? Yeah, isn't it funny? You 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 have a choice of what you can put into your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the ultimate freedom and you know, there's enough things out there vying for your attention that uh, will only make it worse. Well, plenty of bad news out there. Turn on the news plenty. for five minutes and you're going to hear a crushing amount of bad news. Not only a crushing amount, of, but it, it seems seems like they're just trying to instill fear. And and God is throughout the Bible saying, "Don't fear." Right. Fear not. Right. All right, PPE, let's get to uh, the the other P, which is Psalms. And I picked out um, uh, Psalm 9. I think it was 9. Yeah. Um, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. Now, is that how we're going about our day? I is, have yet to do that, but I'm going to try to get that in before dinner. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So are we uh, operating out of a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving? Do we say, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Have we done that today? Have no, we told no. someone about the wonderful deeds that God has done and have given thanks? Do, do you feel we do it, we do everything opposite? You know, for the good things in life, we take the credit, and for the bad things, we are always asking God, why are you doing this to me? And it's always, it's like, no, I did this to myself, and all the good that I have is thanks to him. Mm. But we, 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 we seem to go opposite. Is it something about our ego that it's kind of like the fool that doesn't want to listen or doesn't like to be corrected? Well, that ties into some of our proverbs um, that we talked about earlier. We we do we hate yeah. correction. We we want to let people know what we think. Uh, what about uh, giving thanks um, and telling people about the wonderful deeds that God has done, and giving thanks with all your heart versus airing your own opinions? Yeah, yeah, and that's or, my opinion. Or- or I know, and it's a good one, though. Right. <laughs> or, or even or even paraphrasing what we think the Bible says and saying, you know, I think I think. So suddenly you say, well, what, right there, that's that's an oxymoron, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, I think if Jesus, uh, you know, we're here today looking at, you know, name a situation, here's what he would say. And uh, it, it took me a long time to get to a point in my life where I said, you know, I, I, will, I will only assume what Jesus said going by the words that Jesus said. I don't want to try and read his mind and try to put him into a, a modern context 
and see if I can twist it to make whatever's going on okay. I have to look at, well, what did he say? What are his words? Because they did go to the trouble of writing them down, which I think was very handy for all of us. So when people, you know, do this, I think, well, why don't you just read what he said instead mm. of trying to guess or, you know, postulate? Yeah. Because I have the high privilege of sitting behind this microphone and declaring the Word of God. I'm not yeah. really here to air my opinions. Um, I will on occasion offer them, but that, you know, I feel like a fool most of the time when I do that. Well, you know, we, I know we've said this before, that you look at any best-selling, like, self-help book, and you say, it's just the Bible paraphrased. You know, anything decent, Stephen Covey's book, you say, well, these are biblical principles, and you just rewrote them down in a new fashion. You could go to the original source. You might have to dig a little bit more because it's a lot more material. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, good advice and good, good ways of living have all been written down for us. It's all there. So when you say, yeah, you know, you're privileged to sit behind the microphone, but you're you're not making up the Bible. You're saying, I'm just reporting. I'm just reporting what I read. Mm -hmm. and here, you know, and then you have some amazing guests that can really, boy, can they do the deep dive. Yeah, amen to that. So speaking of that, uh, you are obviously aware that starting next week, uh, the show is going to be moving ahead a little bit. Instead of three to five, it's going to be on from four to six. And we had a, an understanding uh -huh. that uh, I think 73% of faith radio listeners listen while in the car. So then I did the math thinking, hmm, I don't know, they're in the car when they get off work at 5, <laughs> driving home. Yeah. It's such a strong commuting hour. So uh, there's been so talk. So starting at and 3, start, you're going to start at 4. Yeah, so instead of starting at so 3, I started at 4. You can sleep in. <laughs> I can, exactly. I can sleep what? in. You can sleep, and do you think it'll feel like jet lag for a couple of days? Well, it will for sure, because usually by 5 o'clock, I'm ferociously hungry, and I want to eat dinner. So it's going to be, you know, probably some adjustment along the way, but you have to set your clock ahead an hour, because instead of coming on at 3, you'll come on at 4. Uh, you know, that actually will work out when the kids go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll, yeah. Oh, that's, that's you know, that's really exciting. I think if you have 73% of your listeners are listening in the car— uh, in honor of them, one of these days I will do my portion of the Monday show from the car. That would be nice. That, yeah. I would feel very honored if you did that. You just sit in your car and talk on your cell phone, right? Great acoustics. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I'm very, that's exciting, I think, uh, because it, maybe that can give you an opportunity to uh, – people can listen to more of the show and uh, or, or catch portions of it that they said, well, you know what? I didn't get in the car. I only caught one hour. Maybe I can catch two I hours know. of it. I know. When I had uh, the ability to be on mornings, it was great because all my friends said I could listen to you on my drive to work. But I work till 5, so I don't hear you anymore. So hopefully yeah. it'll work out. So oh, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Patrick, thanks for doing the show. I will uh, see you next week. Hey, quick thought. Methuselah died at 969 years old. Yep. Just imagine if he had taken care of himself. <laughs> exactly. Have a great night. Thanks, you too. Yep, talk to you later. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a short break, and better believe we'll be right back. All right. 
right, I am very excited to be welcoming back to the show Dr. Derwin Gray. He is a author of several books. He's also a current pastor of Transformation Church, and he's written a book coming out June 2 called The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness. I tell you, I love this topic, and I can't wait to hear more. Uh, Derwin, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you. Well, thank you so much. Now, t- the good the good life, what prompted this? I mean, I want to say perfect timing, by the way. Oh, gosh, brother. <laughs> let me tell you, man, there are so many things that God is doing in our lives and the life of our church that no human being is smart enough to engineer. Oh, I, I so get that. Back yeah. in, so back in 2014, uh, through pastoral care and counseling, just communication with believers, unbeliever, regardless of age, ethnicity, social economic class, I was finding that people were unhappy, that they were searching for happiness and just couldn't find it. And so what I discovered is that believers in Christ, as well as, well as those who don't believe in Christ, pretty much viewed the good life or finding happiness as the same thing. It was If I marry the right person, if I get the right job, if I get the right amount of money, right living conditions, if things go my way, I'll be happy. And so they were basing happiness on externals. And the problem is we live in a broken, fallen world that needs redemption. And so if you're depending upon a a fallen, broken world for happiness, it's going to be like chasing your shadow. You're never going to find it. So... I was like, well, what does Jesus teach about happiness? And lo and behold, hiding in plain sight Mm. is the Beatitudes, which is known as Matthew chapter three, verses or chapter five, verses three through 12. And Jesus defines eight characteristics of the blessed life or happy life. The word blessed is the Greek word makurios, and it means happy. So Jesus goes through eight characteristics of what a happy life looks like. This good life is happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs would be the kingdom of heaven. Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Happy are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. And so what Jesus does is these beatitudes are like Jesus looking in the mirror saying, this is what it looks like to be a true human being, that in his humanity, Jesus was the prototype of what humanity is to to be. And when we trust him as God, Savior, and King, he enters our life to begin to shape us and to mold us to actually take upon his character. So therefore, happiness is not about what happens to you. Happiness is about becoming who you were meant to be. Instead of depending upon external circumstances for happiness, our happiness now is rooted in the eternal God of love who is constantly shaping us into the happy people he's created us to be. So it's deeper than just fleeting feelings. It's this quiet confidence that God is moving and shifting and molding me into a person that I was meant to become. So how do we get this book released sooner than June 2nd? Well, you can pre-order now. <laughs> you can you can you can go to the goodlifebook.net, the goodlifebook.net and you can actually get chapter 5 oh, for free. That's awesome. And so 
Yeah, go to the goodlifebook.net. Also, Lifeway, and this is absolutely ridiculous. This is amazing. Lifeway is selling the good life at a 50% discount. That's unbelievable. Nice, nice. All right, Derwin, let me back up a little bit because you were talking about this formula for happiness where if I get the right job, if I marry the right person, if I get the right corner office. So my question is, how can you find happiness if all your plans center around you? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's and, a recipe for disaster. Yes. Um, and, and I mean, you just hit a home run because in essence, and I say this with humility and I want people to hear, to hear my heart. Um, is oftentimes Christianity in America is often presented as Jesus is kind of like your butler. Right. And if you say the right prayer, if you do the right thing, he'll pretty much give you what you want. And we got to understand Jesus is a king. Jesus is a Lord. And he's a Lord who wants to dwell in us and who wants to live through us. And that when we lose our lives because of his grace and love, we actually find the life that we were created to be. And so oftentimes we co-mingle real Christianity with almost this uh, American dreamism of if I get the right stuff, if I win the most, then I'll really be happy. And God is going, no, I bought you with my son my spirit indwells you and happiness is being in my will and not yours. All right. That's outstanding. So um, let's go back to your football career just for a second, because I would say venture to say that if you're going to be on a winning team, it can be traced back to your tough as nails coach. That was making it your life miserable during two a days. (laughs) Well, so, One of these things is this, is that when you love football, hard work isn't misery. It's wonderful. (laughs) Like I loved, I loved training camp. I loved everything about it. I loved uh, getting away. I loved uh, being isolated. I loved competing. I loved the hard work. I Mm -hmm. loved the film. I knew it was time to retire from the NFL when I didn't love those things anymore. When hard work did not become fun and enjoyable. I knew my passions had shifted. And so, but you're correct though. Um, the Lord is a coach and he allows in his sovereignty, various things to take place. And if we understand what our purpose is, then we see those adverse moments as moments of opportunity for growth. So when we understand that God causes all things to work for the good for those who love him and who are caught in court in his purpose, for whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, then we see adversity as opportunity because God is fulfilling his loving purpose, which is to make me like Jesus. That's that's the Holy Spirit's greatest goal. Paul says in Galatians 4.19 is, I'm in child labor to see Christ formed in you. And so when you look at the Beatitudes, they are Christ-like characteristics. And those characteristics is the good life. That's what a good life looks like. Happiness and holiness are two sides of the same coin. I like that. I like that a lot. So when you were raising your kids, obviously you wanted them to be happy, but how did you frame this so they would understand this transformational kind of happiness that comes from the Lord? 
<laughs> well, as you know, um, and those who are listening who have kids, the younger you are as a parent, the more you think you know about parenting and the older <laughs> you get, the yeah. more you realize you have no clue about parenting. Mm -hmm. And so there tends to be a lot of pressure in the evangelical community. And what we end up doing is teaching kids uh, a lot of rules and regulations and we end up parenting the externals versus ministering to their hearts, right? And so what we've always tried to do very unperfectly, what we've always tried to do, number one, is to pray for our kids. Number two, to address the heart issue, not necessarily the action. Because in the heart is where you make your decisions. And so we wanted to start off with our kids from a place of affirmation. Uh, the minute that you say yes to Jesus, your value, your significance, and who you are as a person is rooted and grounded in him, not in what you do, not in what you have done. Everything that's true about Jesus is true about you. So that's that's like the starting place is a place of grace. Paul says in Romans 5, 2, it's in this grace that we stand. And so we want our children to stand in grace and the biggest parenting thing that I've learned is to apologize quickly to my kids um, when I was wrong. Uh, I've got a daughter that's 23 and a son that's 19. And or were we perfect parents? No. I mean, for goodness sakes, Adam and Eve had a perfect parent, God, and look what they did. And so there's the pressures off. People will say things like, man, I don't want to mess up my kids. And I'll say, well, total depravity already messed up your kids. So <laughs> yeah, that ship has sailed. You can stop worrying about that. But uh, I am thankful to say that I have an incredible relationship with my daughter, an incredible relationship with my son, and my daughter is actually the reason why I wrote this book, The Good Life. We were on spring break, spring break vacation in Oslo, Norway. We're walking downtown, my wife, myself, my son, and my daughter, Presley. And as we were walking... I was explaining to my daughter, like, you know, I don't think I'm going to write this book, you know, and I was just sharing all of my insecurities. And my daughter stopped me in downtown Oslo and said, Dad, if you're writing this book, you're writing it to God and for God. Those excuses have nothing to do with you offering it to him as an act of worship. Hmm. And wow. I just paused and I was like, wow, she's right. And then number two, I was like, She's been listening. Yes. <laughs> and I'll, so, be, I'll be looking forward to interviewing her when her book comes out. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you will, too, because she is uh, she's an incredible young lady. She's overcome a lot in her life, and I'm just so proud of her. Yeah, Derwin, talk again about the, uh, the two sides of the coin, the happiness and the holiness, those two sides. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so um Arrhenius, a church father 1,800 years ago, said this, God is gl most glorified when man is satisfied in him, and when man is satisfied in God, God is glorified. And so when you look at the Beatitudes, this life that Jesus literally says, these eight characteristics are a life of happiness I want to form in you. And when you look at this life, it is a holy life. Um, holiness means this, number one, through faith in Christ, God sets us apart for his will and not ours. Jesus literally purchased us. He redeemed us with his blood. We're no longer our own. We are now God's, which is right where we need to be. Number two, holiness also means that 
through God's power, my life now progressively begins to reflect Jesus. And so the Beatitudes is a living portrait of what the good life is, what a kingdom of God citizen looks like. It's what we've actually been created for. And so my goal and my attention for this book is to get people to sit at Jesus's feet and to see that he's inviting us into something more beautiful than simply, hey, something good happened to me. No, Mm. no. God is going to make you good. And here's the beautiful. When you become good, you become happy. And as a daughter of being happy, you're holy. And as a daughter of being holy, people go, man, why are you the way you are? How do you parent this way? How do you love this way? Man, your marriage was about to end. What happened? Man, I learned that um, happier the humble. And I began to be humble with my wife. Man, your marriage has changed. What happened? Well, I understood that happy are the peacemakers for they will be called the child of God. And I learned to forgive my wife because Jesus forgave me. And so it's about becoming the people of God for the glory of God, for the mission of God. Mm, This is some refreshing wisdom coming uh, about this book, The Good Life, uh, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness, written by Dr. Derwin Gray. We're going to take a little break, but when we come back, lots more with Derwin. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have Dr. Derwin Gray as my guest. He's written a number of books. The one we're chatting about today comes out June 2nd. It's called The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness. And you explore in this book the the path to true happiness is a a life lived with Jesus, embracing the Beatitudes. I'm curious, uh, Derwin, if there is a particular Beatitude that you uh, especially struggled with. Oh, man, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because it helps me grow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the first thing is, let me say this, is it's important that we understand Jesus is not to be used, but to be worshiped. Mm -hmm. There's a a big difference. And one of the things that in American Christianity that I want to be a part of reversing this is so often— it's I follow Jesus because he can help me do this, this, and this, versus I follow Jesus because he's a good and gracious king, and he has transformed me, his will. It's like you get invited to dinner, and you sit at his table, and instead of immediately grabbing food, you look into his eyes, and you want to hear his wisdom and his whispers of love. Um Second part of this is the hardest chapter for me to write was the chapter called Happy Are the Peacemakers. In the first part of the chapter, I talk about how God made peace with us through Jesus, that literally because we're born into sin, because none of us are perfect, God cannot be in a relationship with that which is unclean. So Jesus comes and he bleeds on us through the cross. His blood purifies us, cleans us redeems us, makes us as righteous as Jesus. So we go from a status of enemy to friend, from foe to family. Now that God does that vertical reconciliation, he calls us to be reconcilers and peacemakers horizontally with people. Uh, I'm 49 years old, and I have never seen so much visceral 
so much racial tension, so much anger in this country that I love called the United States of America. And sadly, a lot of times it's propagated by those who claim to be Christians. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45, Jesus says, But I say, bless those who persecute you and love your enemies. Wow. Love your enemies. Mm. Well, we do that because Jesus loved us when we were enemies. But loving your enemies is also for us because our hearts were not created to contain hate. That when we love someone who we deem unlovable, we grow as a human being. We reflect Jesus more. Uh, when we hold on to bitterness and a grudge, it's like drinking poison and hoping that the person you're mad at dies. Mm-hmm. But then it's also making peace across ethnic boundaries. Um, sadly, statistically, the most division in America is between black Christians and white Christians, not non-Christians, but Christians. And so one of the beauties of the early church, and we see this in the ministry of Jesus and the apostle Paul is the early churches throughout the Roman empire were multi-ethnic churches where Gentiles and Jews became family and friends through reconciliation and peace. So when you think about the story, which I write about in that chapter that was so hard to write, was Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. The Samaritan woman would have been morally impure. She would have been uh, race. She would have been a racial outcast. But Jesus broke down those barriers, and he reached her and transformed her with his living water. And here's what's beautiful about the Samaritan woman: she's a half breed. She's a Jew and a Gentile in one body. Well, what's the church supposed to be? Jews and Gentiles in one body. And what did she do? She went on mission back to the city of Sychar and told her other Samaritan brothers and sisters, I have found the Messiah. They get to Jesus and they say, we no longer believe just because of her word. We believe because we have heard with our own eyes. And the Jewish disciples went into Sychar, did not share with those people that Jesus was the Messiah because of their racism. Racism in the church is muting the beautiful colors that our church could be. So in that chapter, I actually lay out a theology of ethnic reconciliation. And I have the benefit of being a pastor of a church that is intentionally multi-ethnic and multi-generational. We're probably 50 to 55% white and everything else, young people, old people, rich people, poor people, middle-class people, all types of people. And here's the beauty. It's our differences that make us different for the better. And we're going to practice what we're going to do in the new heavens, new earth, where every nation, tribe, and tongue is worshiping King Jesus. So what I try to do in that chapter is show that when we make peace with other people, that's the good life. There's a sense of happiness that is transcendent. May, may I share a recent story oh, with please, you? Please, please. So I was speaking in Oklahoma at a church planners conference, and uh, it was predominantly older uh, white pastors. And uh, it seemed like they were really receiving what I was saying, and it was going well. And I went to the restroom And as I was leaving, I noticed an older white pastor. He was staring at me. So I said, hi. 
And he said, uh, Pastor, I need to apologize to you. I was like, well, I don't know this guy, but I said, well, why? He goes, well, I was reading your book, Limitless Life, and I was really, really enjoying your book and thought it was just so good. But then I found out you were black and I didn't want to read it anymore. And then he said, will you forgive me? So what I did at that point is I embraced him, hugged him very tight. And I said, brother, I do forgive you. And we just kind of had a moment. And some people were like, man, wh- how could you forgive him? And I said, how could Jesus forgive me? Mm-hmm. That if Jesus forgave me, I have no right to not forgive anyone. And it took the forgiving grace of God to make peace with me. So I'm praying and hoping that me as a black brother in Christ, covered in the same blood of Christ, that my example of forgiveness would then move him to become a peacemaker himself. What a beautiful moment, Derwin. You know, that's just, the good life. Yeah, that's a beautiful. That, you're, you're exactly spot on. That is the good life right there. That's the good life. And what I'm trying to help people get back to is those are the supernatural, beautiful moments that you go, that's the good life. That's it. Happiness is not just I'm always smiling. Um, What I like to say is happiness is a quiet confidence in the arena of life that everything's going to be okay because my Redeemer lives. His redemptive purposes stand. And one day I will stand with him because he defeated sin and death. That's happiness. Mm-hmm. So true. Amen to that. So, Derwin, the book comes out June 2nd, but there's also um, a Bible study uh, leader guide or a leader kit that's available as well. Tell us yes. about that. Yeah, so we actually have the Good Life Bible study uh, leader kit with, oh my gosh, I mean, it is loaded with eight video sessions Um, It goes through every chapter. You've got a study book. We're going to have one for teenagers as well. Um, I'm not a prophet, but the church is a nonprofit organization. But I really feel like the Lord is going to create a a happiness movement that is going to be rooted and saturated in Jesus and in the Beatitudes. And his people are going to see him afresh and unbelievers are going to go, that's a Jesus I want to follow. So you can get the Bible study at uh, Lifeway. You can also get the Good Life book at Lifeway, which they're selling at a 50% discount. You can go to the goodlifebook.net, the goodlifebook.net, and you can see uh, all the resources that are available. So we're certainly at a time in, in uh, life right now where there's a lot of people looking for um, hope and happiness, and they're finding themselves a little panicked for answers. They've got some anxiety, some depression. They're feeling a little bit of burnout, a little bit of uncertainty. And yeah. I think there's a, a great time to hit the reset button and say, this is uh, what I thought would make me happy, but a life in Christ is what is going to actually make me happy. Yeah. Brother, I think uh, this COVID the mental image that I have is 
we have been building our lives on sandcastles and this big old wave called COVID came <laughs> and just yeah. obliterated the sandcastle. And the only thing that was left were the idols that we had been worshiping. And I think people are really, really wanting to hear from Jesus afresh mm. to experience him, that people are going, well, what is the good life? What is happiness? And I could not have timed the perfect timing of this book in the midst of this reset for people to go, okay, I'm ready to hear from him afresh because this pandemic has revealed a lot of idols that I had substituted Jesus for. Yeah, that is so true. And I'm so appreciative that you took some time today to tell me about the good life and to uh, give our listeners a chance to uh, jump on this uh, nice offer that Lifeway is offering right now. So, Dermot, thank you so much for doing the show. It's really been nice chatting with you. And uh, I hear your heart uh, and your love for the Lord and your love for the listeners to find that good life. So I appreciate it you very much. Thank you, brother. Such an honor to be with you. Dr. Derwin Gray has been my guest. His book is called The Good Life, What Jesus Teaches About Finding True Happiness. You can head over to his website, thegoodlifebook.net. And also the book is available and comes out June number two. We'll take a little break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.